Good morning, everybody. Well, it's great to be with you guys again, and we're moving closer and closer. Well, I don't know, we're not moving closer yet, but uh, we're uh, in the process of looking for a home and a house. A number of you have asked us how that is going, how the house hunting is going, and we've looked at about 10 or 10 to 12 of them, and we've narrowed it down to one or two, so it's getting closer. And uh, possibly uh, this next week we're going to make an offer on a house. Now we've uh, looked at where everybody else is, else is living and so we're kind of uh, moving out of the way so that we don't uh, live too close to you guys. No, we have no idea where... Well, I, one or two people we probably know where they're living. So, so maybe we're moving onto a street where, there's, where everybody can keep an eye on us. I don't know. But uh, we'll see when we get there. And then maybe you will move away. But it's, it's good to uh, uh, be in your midst again and uh, just to feel your welcome, embrace, and the warmth. And uh, it's exciting to uh, come to a church which I sense is very healthy, which is growing. And uh, that's why we're excited about it. I know we're, we're in our church in Elmer. We're, you probably heard there's some rumblings and some difficult times and struggles there. It almost seems like every church has to go through a difficult time, sometime in, their, in, the, in the generation that, it, that it's in. And uh, I think Elmer, I mean, it was growing and booming at one time, and now it's, it's struggling. I remember Leamington years ago uh, was going through a difficult time. So it's exciting to come to a place where it's on the, on the upward trend anyways. And uh, hopefully that'll stay for a while. And, and, uh, and as I share with you this morning, I uh, kind of, I thought, uh, my topic and my theme for this morning uh, is kind of a, a preventive talk, a, a preventive sermon, if you would call it that, instead of a corrective. Uh, I want to speak this morning on unity, Agree, agreeing to disagree. Agreeing to disagree is this whole idea of being united as believers. Let's pray together first as we, before we <clears throat> go into the talk. Heavenly Father, I come and I, I pray that you would draw near as we draw near to you. And you promise that. As we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And we open our hearts and our minds to you. Father, we have come seeking. We have come to hear from you. And I pray, God, as you are a faithful God, you say when we ask, you respond. And here is a cry and here is a plea from, I believe, each one of us that we want to know you. We want to experience you. And as that song we just sung, how beautiful you are. You're so beautiful. And yet at the same time you say to us that we are beautiful as the bride of Christ. So we invite you to minister to us in a very real and powerful way as we leave here that we can say that we have met with you, we have heard from you. Amen. Agreeing to disagree. How many of you are in the habit of driving your automotive automobile without oil? Raise your hand. I mean, you may have had the experience where the engine light and stuff came on, but I think all of us, we make sure that we, our oil level is very, it's at the top. 
What is more important to you? The oil light coming on or your seatbelt light coming on? Which one do you pay more attention to? What causes more panic? The oil light or your radio not working? I think we would all agree that oil is an essential ingredient in an element, in, an, in, a, in a vehicle, in an engine, to keep it in good condition and running order. You see, motor oil performs a number of functions because an engine has a lot of moving parts and it causes a lot of friction. And so oil minimizes that and it keeps the parts from getting too hot. It stops the squeaks and the squeals. It lubricates the entire engine so that it can run smoothly and prolong the life of the engine. I dare you try operating your vehicle for one week without this lubricant, with no brake fluid, no transmission fluid, no, no uh, engine oil, no grease on the bearings, and no, universal, no oil in the universal joints, and I can guarantee you, you will have a rough ride. You might not have a ride at all, and I think that engine would be shot. To say the least, it would not be a pleasant experience. There's a verse in the Bible, Psalm 133, verse 1, says how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. What a powerful verse. And I think we could all agree and attest to that. When there is disunity within the church, it is not a pleasant experience. When there is unity, when there is oneness, when there is agreement, it is a pleasant experience. You want to come to church. You want to be with your friends. You want to be with your neighbors and the people you sit beside. But let me tell you, if there is disagreement, you will pretty soon look for another church. You will stay home from church. And you won't want to get involved in church. You see, unity is critical. Unity in, within the church is a pleasant and a pleasurable experience. It is a joy to be in the company of believers that are working together as one in harmony and in fellowship and in, agree and in agreement. So unity within the church is like oil to an engine in a car. It will be a great experience. You see, there are many moving parts in a car and that's why you need the engine oil. Uh, and that's the same in, a, in, a, in the church body. Not just in, in this church, in this local church, but in the body of Christ. There are many different parts. The Bible says there is one body, but many different parts. And as in, as in the parts in an engine, some pull, some squeeze, some spark, some push. And so there are, there's a different friction and moving. And, and the same in the body of Christ. There's a lot of different moving parts. There's a Different kinds of people. Some that rub you the wrong way. Some that maybe pull you in a different direction. Some that want to push you out of the way or and, and maybe not intentionally. And some that kind of spark up the room or whatever, or the conversations. And so are, there are many different parts within the body of Christ that do not necessarily always agree which is okay, which I, I believe is fine. 
because that's how life is. There are many different varieties and, and flavors in this life, and God has made us different, and which he intended. And so, but what that does, it, there's a potential for friction. There's, there's potential for division. There's potential for disunity and disagreement. And so, some kind of lubricant is needed. And we will talk a little bit about that a little later. But I want to, that's just one very basic picture of everyday life. How important lubricant or how important this unity, this oneness is. But let me share with you just briefly three more examples. Back to that passage in Psalm 133. In that passage, it talks about how good and pleasant it is to live together, for brothers and sisters to live together in unity. But then it gives us two pictures. One picture is where the psalmist and, and David he gives us a, a picture of a dedication or of Aaron, and he says, unity is like oil being poured on Aaron's head. And this was when he was consecrated for a set apart for a service. And he says the oil was poured on his head, it ran down his beard, and then it ra ran down his robe, and it lubricated his robe. And, and the robe that Aaron would have been wearing was, it was a leather robe uh, with kind of slits in it or, or uh, str uh, strands of leather. And when he would have walked, it would have squeaked and made all kinds of noises and would have been friction. But with this oil being poured on his head and this oil lubricating it, it would have been a pleasant and a, and a, and a good sounding experience or, or, or a walk, uh, as, as Aaron was walking. And so the, the oil, he says, unity is like this oil being poured over Aaron's head. Then he gives us another picture in this passage. He says, like, unity is like the dew running down the mount of Haran. And we know what rain, and, and we're not maybe familiar with so much with dew. Uh, in a lot of those places, it didn't really rain, but, but the dew in the morning would, would uh, water the, 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 uh, the fields or the mountains, and that would give the, the growth and the fruitfulness. And he says, unity is, is like the dew running down the mountain and watering and giving, and giving the, uh, the water so that it can grow and stuff. Unity brings growth and fruitfulness to the body of Christ and to the church. Unity in the church brings with it God's blessing and even life. Someone has said a divided church is a dead church. And how true that is. It is dead in the sense that it cannot function properly and it has no life in it. Then another example is the Apostle Paul. And Paul, one of the great writers of the Bible and a, and a very smart individual, uh, came to know Christ as an educated man. And he talks about unity in a number of, of the books of the Bible. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 1 verse 10, and the Corinthians were kind of divided about spiritual gifts and, and about different things like that. And Paul says to, to the Corinthians, he says, I appeal to you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Notice the word Paul uses here. He says, I appeal to you. The word appeal is, is a strong action word. Then in Philippians 4, 4 verse 2, he says, I plead. 
to plead with someone is, means it's important. He says, I plead with Yoda and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. And then another passage Paul uses, or Paul talks about unity, is Ephesians chapter 4. And in verse 3 he says this, Make every effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You see, to the Apostle Paul, unity was critical within the body of Christ. And for us, it should be the same. We shouldn't just take it lightly and say, well, if it works out, that's fine. And if my brother or sister doesn't like me, I mean, I'll just ignore them. It doesn't work that way. And I talked with one of, this, one of the pastors last week, and I, we talked about how our churches in Elmer is struggling so much, and we talked about how it causes, the Bible says, if one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. And I believe as a result of congregations that are divided and suffering because of the divisions, other churches and the body of Christ is not as effective as it could be. Then John 17, and this is uh, using the example of Jesus. So, looking at this example, or not really example, but a prayer that Jesus prayed on the, one of his, uh, his last times here, or he was almost to the end of his life here on this earth, and Jesus, he, he prays a prayer. And what does he pray for? Does he pray for salvation? Does he, does he pray for, for peace? Or does, no, he doesn't. He prays for the body of Christ to be united. His last, probably, I don't know if it was his last prayer, but one of his last recorded prayers. He prays for unity. He says, May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and that you have loved me. You have loved them even as you have loved me. He was praying to his Father. He's saying, I pray that they would be united, that they may make an impact in this world. Unity, I believe, is the most powerful witness of the church to the world. And then the opposite is also true. Then disunity is the greatest barrier for people, to coming, for people coming to Christ. The greatest hindrance for people coming to Christ, and I'm sure you've heard it in your workplace, and I've heard it all over. Well, if the church is just a bickering place, if they, just, if they don't disagree, why would I want to be part of it? And we hear that all the time. It is, at, it is in the church and in, and in the body of Christ where, where the world can see that unity is possible. You look at the diversity with, even with this, with, within this congregation. I mean, I'm sure there is diversity. I mean, just by look, overlooking, you can't really see it, but I know there are people from different cultures and different backgrounds. And I've heard of churches where there's 40 different cultures and ethnic groups and nationalities within one congregation. I mean, for the world, for the world to see that, to see that they work together and sing together and play together and pray together and, and, and just have fun together is an amazing witness. What amazes me, and, and that's just the cultures, but what amazes me also is when you can have 
educated and uneducated and you can have peasants and you can have the homeless and you can have children and you can have 90-year-olds and together praising God, singing, Jesus loves me. Lawyers and doctors and whoever, those kind of we think are higher class. But it's the unity that brings us together on this level. Jesus prayed that the world may know through the, through the unity of the believers. He didn't pray that the world would be turned off, but that the world would be turned on by how the church is functioning. The church, the early church, in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, I believe was a, a vivid demonstration of what the church ought to be like. I mean, I'm not sure if we can always go back and say that's what we want to pattern after. Uh, we live in a different uh, culture, different society. But I think it, it gives us a good idea what happens when a church lives together in unity. It says that they, they met together. Uh, it, it says that they, uh, that they broke bread together. They, they, they sat together and they listened to the word together. And it says they were praising God enjoying the favor of all the people. And notice the result. And the Lord added to their number daily. Yeah, it was a unique experience. The, the church was just being birthed, which we understand. But it, I also believe it was this, this unity that was drawing people to them. I mean, it, what, we need to understand it was Jews and Gentiles coming together. I mean, there was a great barrier there. And here were these Jews and Gentiles together in the same place, sitting beside each other, and it was drawing people to Christ. When the church of Jesus Christ demonstrates to the world that people from every culture, tribe, nation, language, race, age, color, levels of education can get together, live together, pray together, play together, I guarantee you that the world will take notice. The world will say, what's going on there? It will take notice of the church. But on the opposite side, if the church argues and is divided, the world will want no part of it. Someone has said, to win the world of many, the many of the church have to be one. If we want to reach the masses out there, then we need to come together as one in Christ. I don't know if you remember, I know many of you probably remember years ago, and it's still a little bit in the, I mean, it's not as much anymore, but where Quebec wanted to separate from Canada. I mean, there was the separatist group and, and uh, a lot of talk about them separating from Canada and and uh, making their own nation or their own country. And uh, some people are even joking about it. They would uh, take the Canadian entire currency and stuff like that, and that would be their currency. But, uh, but so there was a lot of division. But within that, but what, what was happening from other countries and nations, you were, you were hearing they were hesitant about investing in Canada. They weren't as optimistic about Canada when all this talk was going on. Because they had known Canada as, as a melting pot. 
as a place where, where refugees and, and where people from all over the world were coming. And Canada welcomed them. And, and so, so they loved that. And the people would invest in Canada. But when this was happening, they were hesitant. And I remember the talk about that. And, uh, and, and now the talk isn't that, that they're, they're that much anymore. But people are attracted to Canada because of this, this oneness. Regardless of who you are, uh, you are accepted here and you, you can uh, become a Canadian citizen. Our common ground is that we are all Canadians. And this is what makes Canada unique. I remember uh, a bricklayer that I was working with in, uh, in Elmer area there, and he came from England a number of years ago, and how he, just, how he just praised Canada for giving him an opportunity and a chance, and he, and he, he worked through uh, MCC, one of the, uh, the leaders there, who helped him set up his own business, and he just said that that wouldn't happen in England. And uh, so that's a, <clears throat> that's a picture of what the church ought to be like. How is your relationship with your fellow man? How much are you striving for unity? Is there disagreement? Oh, I'm sure there is. I know for myself. I, I disagree with different leaders. I mean, I'm one of the lay pastors in Elmer Church, and, and I, I, I disagree with some of them on, on certain things. I mean, that's understandable. Uh, that's inevitable. We are different. But let me remind you, unity is possible. It doesn't matter how differently one looks, how differently you act or one thinks, but as long as there is a common ground, and I want to su suggest to you this morning that common ground is Jesus Christ. He is our commonality. He is the one that unites us. It is because we have been united to Him that we can be united as believers. I mean, that is, that is, the, that is our grounds, and, and, and that is the reason that we can be united, that we can live in unity. If it wasn't for that, I don't think we could. But it's this one common thread that brings us together, and that is Jesus Christ. So often we want to force unity. That's impossible. Uh, we want to force people to uh, change to our thinking and, and conform to our ways of, of doing stuff. But that's not unity. That's uniformity. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says this, unity, spiritual unity comes from within. It is a matter of the heart and what has transpired and taken place within the heart but uniformity is the result of pressure from without. See, you cannot produce unity. And my intention here this morning is not to produce unity, but it is to tell you how important unity is, and it needs to come from within. Unity is a choice. Uniformity is forced. You see, uniformity is like taking a dog and a cat and tying their tails together. I mean, some people would think, well, that's unity. Well, no, that's not unity. That's uniformity. Unif unity is a choice that takes place from within. 
as a result of what's taking place in our heart. Our focus must be on what we have in common instead of always our differences. If we can agree with what we have in common, then we can disagree about our differences. I want to take you to that passage in Philippians chapter 2, and I want to read that. And I believe that this is kind of the, the uh, foundation, or, or this is kind of uh, what I've been talking about, but where Jesus is the common ground. But he talks about here how we've been affected by, by Christ. And I want to read it from the message. And Philippians 2, 1, 1 verse 4 says this. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ. So he's kind of asking a rhetorical question. He says, have you gotten anything about, out of following Christ? Has, has he been of any benefit to you? If he has, then he'll answer it later. And then he says, and if his, if his love has made any difference in your life, has Christ's love made a difference in your life? I trust he has. And, uh, and Paul was writing this to some readers where this was true. Then he says, and if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, so if you have fellowship with the Spirit, if that means anything to you, and if you have a heart, and if you really care, then, Paul says, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Now let's look at ourselves. Are we encouraged or consoled by what Christ has done for us? Has our life changed? Are we impacted by His love for, for us? The Spirit... Do we have fellowship with the Spirit? Does that mean anything to us? Do we have a heart? Do we care? And if you say yes, that's the basis for unity. And then later on in, that, in those verses after that, uh, he, Paul says, And make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. If we can agree with what we have in common, and these things we should have in common if, they've, if we've experienced them, then we can disagree in love about our differences. We need to pursue those issues that unite us, not those that divide us. And how often don't we focus on those things that we disagree with? What style of music we play in the church? Or what kind of clothes we should wear? I mean, those are minor differences. The real thing we should pursue is what we have in common. Jesus and what he has brought to and, and what he has impacted our lives with. I often, uh, I shouldn't say often, but I've heard Christians say, I get along better with unbelievers than I do with believers. Well, that's pretty sad. Because I don't know how that's possible. I mean, yeah, on a very shallow level, I think, if you don't get into, I mean, and, and that I think is kind of uniformity. 
when you can get a, get together with an unbeliever and you can have more things in common and 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 get along better than with your brother or sister in the Lord, I mean, that I think isn't unity, because the Apostle Paul says in Second Corinthians six verse fourteen to sixteen, he says, "For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Nothing. Or what can fellowship?" Or what, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Or what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? And so he talks here about this agreement and this unity. It is impossible to have this deep unity with an unbeliever. Yeah, I think on a very shallow, we can, we can be friends and we can have fun together, but to have this real connection is impossible. In Ephesians 4, I think Paul, he says, we have this unity in Christ, and now he urges us with every effort to keep it and to pursue it. Yes, there are differences, and even things that we're going to find hard to swallow and accept, but Paul says unity is possible. Let me ask you, how is your oil level this morning? I, mean, I don't mean in your engine. I, have, I don't care about your engine oil, right? But, or do you need an oil change? Or do you need oil? Maybe you have no oil in your... Maybe you need to respond to Christ, first of all. But maybe you need an oil change as a believer. Or maybe you need to top it off, top it up, the oil in your, in your life. Unity is important within the body of Christ. And I want to urge you and challenge you to strive to keep the unity within this body because it will make a joyful and pleasant experience in your life. Thank you.